us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. I have chosen for you a magic word made from the names of heroes whose powers you will need. Solomon for wisdom. Hercules for strength. Atlas for stamina. Zeus for power. Achilles for courage. Mercury for speed. Say the magic word! That was way too much fun. There is a better, like, magic word or saying or whatever. I don't know. Maybe Green Lanterns in the brightest day in the darkest night. Whatever. That one's cool, too. But Shazam! That's the best. And the last comic shop is here to do a whole show based on Shazam. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And welcome to not only our movie review of the recent released movie shazam fury of the gods but also because we're a comic book podcast we're going to give you a great shazam comic book that you can go out to your local comic book shop and pick up today yes that's right we are going to be reviewing shazam the monster society of evil and uh before we get into it who drew and and scripted this book there chad give us the who's it's and the what's it's or the who's it's at least So, Shazam! and the Monster Society of Evil Deluxe Edition is the one we're reading. This book came out as originally a four-issue miniseries written and drawn by Jeff Smith of Bone fame. And it was colored by Steve Hamaker. That's about it. This came out circa 2007 from DC Comics as a four-issue prestige miniseries. And then was collected into the super fancy edition uh, that we read. Yeah. And it has a nice introduction from Alex Ross, which has always been a treat for me. If you ever get out there and you're able to see the Shazam drawings done by Alex Ross, I think they're some of the best. Like whether it's in Kingdom Come or like, I don't know. I I remember Chad and I went to uh, a showing of all of Alex Ross's uh, works at uh, the Andy Warhol Museum here in Pittsburgh. Heck and yeah, they had his childhood drawings and little puppets that he'd made. Yeah, and but I always loved his big red cheese because I don't know Shazam's got that classic look, right? So it, it really does equate to uh, somebody's style like Alex Ross. So to have him do the introduction, that's pretty cool. With that all behind us, give us the ten cent synopsis there, Andrew. Well, this is a classic Shazam story, so. Luckily for anybody that hasn't read Shazam, this is a perfect place to jump on. It tells the story of Billy Batson, who was an orphan living on the street. He one day follows a mysterious uh, stranger into a magic subway car and is transported to the Rock of Eternity, where the wizard Shazam lives. And after going past all of the uh, seven deadly sins of man... He uh, meets uh, the wizard, and Shazam says, I'm going to bestow on you awesome power, which for a kid is like the bee's knees, right? This is the absolute perfect wish fulfillment story for any kid, because it takes a kid that has no power and gives them the power of awesomeness, as we mentioned, like the strength of Hercules, the power of Zeus, the speed of Mercury, and uh, he turns into Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel, long before Marvel took the name and then gave it to a bevy of other superheroes. 
But long story short, uh, the rest of the book is all about uh, Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, and his battle against the classic Shazam rogues. You get Dr. Savanya, who's recast as, like, this Homeland Security director, but it's Dr. Savanya. And then you get uh, Mr. Mind eventually shows up, not to give too much spoilers, but yeah, as, as they, they put together the Monster Society of Evil, which is a playoff, uh, one of the first ever continuing story arcs in comics. Way back in the 1940s, before they even had such a thing. Uh, the Monster Society of Evil that ran during the original Captain Marvel series. So yeah, although that's not one you'll see reprinted because uh, uh, some of the imagery or whatever is not as suitable for modern audiences. Right, it isn't. I mean, you have to keep in mind that that stuff is from the 1940s. So Jeff Smith does a really good job here of getting a lot of the the high points of the original story arc and kind of you know, synthesizing that into something that modern audiences of all ages can enjoy. So yeah, that's the 10 set synopsis. Chad uh, has been a longtime fan of this particular book. And uh, when I was thinking of Shazam books to read on this show, this was the immediate one I thought of, because I think Chad and I have both wanted to read this for some time on this particular show. Chad, uh, what is your initial thoughts of Shazam and the Monster Society of Evil? Well, I can sum it up pretty quickly. This is another entrant in the year of Chad. <laughs> no, this story, it is great. And Jeff Smith has so much fun with this modern retelling of the Shazam origin. Even down to the fact that uh, in the opening pages, they have, you know, you need to use the secret monster society code. Yes. Which is just the alphabet, you know, A equals Z and B equals Y and... You know, however the rest of the alphabet works. Which, by the way, I had taken the time to decipher all the different sayings before I got to the back of the book. And it's like, oh, there they are. They're all written there. (laughs) But Jeff Smith takes that cartoony style that he has and distills Shazam down to what Shazam should be, which is a story that's great for kids of all ages. And you get probably a 10-year-old Billy Batson, uh, and you have a 5-year-old Mary Marvel who the the interesting twist this time around is while Billy Batson has the full powers of Shazam, uh, Mary Marvel only gets some of the powers of Shazam, which is fun when she discovers whether or not she's bulletproof. But she actually stays a five-year-old kid, which is another really great aspect of that wish fulfillment. But this story is told, you know, in a classic style where you're getting, you know, five or six panels a page uh, with that Jeff Smith cartooning behind it where everything's clean and crisp uh the monsters are big and scary the action is fun and silly talking tawny is there which i always thought it was talky tawny i didn't realize it's not talky t-a-l-k-y but jeff smith was like no that's what it is we're gonna go with that (laughs) um but he appears both in his tiger form and as a homeless person on the streets with uh young billy the w-h-i-z and you have the reporters and everything else to it uh, and it's just, it's good, classic cartooning uh, that's great for all ages. Yeah. Well, J.A., you're you're not as big of a Captain Marvel fan as maybe Chad and I, and this is the first time you've read this particular book. What did you think? I thought it was absolutely charming. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of comic books, especially 
modern comic books are, are really aimed at a more adult audience, I find. And so it was nice to have a book that you could give to a five-year-old, you could give to a 10-year-old, you could give to a 20-year-old, you could give to a 30-year-old, and they're all going to take away something from it. The cartooning is great. It's very clean. It's crisp. The colors are vibrant and pop off the page. It's a quick read. It didn't take very long to get through it. Not that, you know, a, a long read is a bad thing either, but the story flows. It doesn't feel like there's any sort of missing aspects to it. You get all these characters that I didn't know uh, that they were famous rogues gallery of Shazam because, you know, the only Shazam villain I know is Black Adam, and we've already gone down that <laughs> route. So <laughs> this is as good a book as that book was bad. The one issue I, I, I could see with Shazam is that it's Billy Batson as kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can't grow him up. Well, the thing is, how do they like, do I that? Think, well, if you read the original uh, Fawcett run, he's not actually a kid. He's more of a teenager. He's right. like 15, 16 years old. And like the thought process is that it's kind of what I always thought Prince Adam should be with He Man. If they were going to do the Prince Adam He Man, right? Mm-hmm. I always said like the more interesting thing would be like all Prince Adam is doing is eventually turning into what he will be when he becomes an adult. So you'd have like a 13, 14 year old Prince Adam, but he man is who he will actually be when he's in his twenties. It's future Prince Adam. It's future Prince Adam after he's gone through all of the struggles and tribulations. Decided that purple doesn't look so good. Exactly. <laughs> the furry underpants. That's a key. Yeah. It's like the thing on Eternia. If you don't wear furry underpants, I mean, even Trapjaw wears it. He's mostly metal. <laughs> I was really Merman sad. wears furry underpants. And he lives underwater. How gross is that? Just soaked all the time. Ew. Yeah. So I mean, if I was going to nitpick, I would guess you know the robots. I was kind of hoping for a more fifties style, you know, day the earth stood still type robot. But I mean, that's a minor. Yeah. And how cool is it to get giant Shazam? Yes. And I will say that there's a secret shame about this particular book for me, which is that this isn't actually my favorite Shazam book. I mean, I'm a huge Shazam fan, so there's like a lot of Shazam that I would actually rather prefer. I mean, I, I will say is this is the perfect book for anybody that's never really read Shazam. I think you should start with this particular book because it really does set the foundation and Jeff Smith's style is so approachable. And so, again, all ages appropriate that it really is a good sampler platter of what you should get out of a Shazam book. But uh, a couple other suggestions after you're done with this, maybe check out uh, Jerry Ordway's Power of Shazam book. That has a more classic looking Shazam. Plus it has Black Adam and he really does weave a lot of that 1930s, 1940s charm. Sometimes I thought that this book was a little too modern. I don't know if Shazam really works outside of that particular era and the golden age. Maybe I'm wrong, but like between that and the Adventures of Captain Marvel original um, movie serial and my recommendation later on, which is the two-issue Convergence story, which is by far the best Shazam ever put out with Jeff Parker writing and Doc Shaner doing Shazam art. Is that because it has Batman? Like the best Flash movie is going to be the one that has Batman? (laughs) (laughs) No, because it actually has the best drawn Captain Marvel, which is Doc Shaner's Captain Marvel. I will be hard-pressed to find any Captain Marvel that looks better 
than Doc Shane or Captain Marvel. But Jeff Smith does a good job here. I'm not trying to nitpick too much or try to pull anybody away from this. I'm just saying, if you have enjoyed this book, maybe you can graduate on. Maybe this is your introductory course to Shazam, and then you can move on from there. What do you uh, think, guys? Well, I was going to say, that Jerry Ordway book, It's uh, he ups his level with his style. He goes almost with like a more watercolory patronly style yes if yeah. i recall although that character and that book and the action in general is a little bit more rough around the edges right it does have a little bit more of the harshness from the original stories not in a bad way but like the, the jeff smith version is a more and it this is a negative word but i'm going to use it anyway a more sanitized version of the captain marvel story where y- you don't feel the violence as much as it is just fun and silly yeah uh, the jerry ordway one it, it Parts could be kind of rough. Right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because you you might have heard our, our interview with Jerry Ordway just last week on The Last Comic Shop, and he talked about how he watched the Adventures of Captain Marvel movie series before he did Powers of Shazam. And that movie does have, like, Shazam picking up thugs and just hucking them off of buildings. Just outright murder. Just straight up murdering people. <laughs> so hopefully I didn't pull anybody away from this book i think it's good and and giant size shazam punching a bunch of robots is awesome ja well and the fact that the cockroaches team up to help save billy badson because he was nice to them and didn't step on them earlier when he was living in his hovel hole he was kind to the cockroaches so they repaid him by not squishing him when the mr mind plot to take over the world by powering robots with ants and bugs and things which is just great because when you're a kid you know bugs are are this big evil right i mean oh, yeah. when you're a, when you're adult okay you see a little bug whatever but when you're little they become massive in your mind so i i love that aspect of it that it was the bugs that are the key aspect of this plot to destroy humans on earth yeah plus the fact there's that one scene where like billy's just being like covered Crushed. in them yes right? Yeah, that, like, that's what I was alluding to. I don't know any kid that doesn't have like that as a fear of being like falling on an ant hill and having ants crawling all over you and being like, ah, get them off. I can't stand like the creepy crawlies all over me. No, it's it's terrifying. But they're the good guys, too, which is kind of neat. <laughs> and it's it's fun to have the grossness of the bugs there, too. That's part of the like the youthful charm of this book. I was like, oh, yeah. bugs are gross. And they're, yeah, yeah. They, they, when 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 he destroys and he smashes the the robot at the end, and it just becomes bugs because the robot got sucked into some singularity or something. The bugs are the things that uh, cushion their fall, and then he's like, ew. <laughs> that, and as a kid in your heart, you're like, ew, that's so gross. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say that I think the best part about this particular version of Shazam for me too is the fact that they give you a really fleshed out Taki Tani. In this, sometimes depending on the writer for Shazam nowadays, the whole idea of a talking tiger can be kind of like, what do I do with that? Right. But like in this particular book, because they don't have the wizard Shazam being able to be, you know, the Obi-Wan Kenobi Merlin type character, you get Taki Tani instead being like the kindly the sage. elder mentor, the elder mentor. I, I really yeah. like that, too. And also, plus, the uh, other neat thing about this, which, I again, I, I, I've i read a lot of Shazam, but I don't know if they touch upon it a lot in this, is the fact uh, Shazam, or Captain Marvel, and, and Billy Batson are actually two different people. 
they they inhabit the the same body, kind of sort of like if you remember Bronze Age Captain Marvel from Marvel Comics and Rick where, Jones, or he would hit the Mega Bands and he would trade places with Rick Jones into the Mega Zone, like kind of like the same idea. But also taking it one step further, it's also potentially Billy Batson when he's grown up. Right. Oh, I uh, what I loved is like when Billy Batson bought him a hot dog and then became Shazam because I knew he knows Shazam doesn't have any money. <laughs> No, that that was really cool. And then I was reading some of the back matter where uh, Jeff Smith was talking about how at, at its core, it's about a magic word. So he went back and read Aladdin's Lamp and Alibaba and all these different Eastern myths. And so like Talking Tawny was the, the wandering ifrit that could change shapes and change forms. And like it all made sense. It all felt like this is something, you know, pulled from the collective subconscious. Yeah. Well, something else is pulled from the collective unconscious is our ratings. We've got to get going here because we got a movie review later on. So, Jay, what's our rating scale for this week? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> this this is you know it's fun and it's it's exciting and, and we kicked off the show with such an exciting Shazam moment. It's going to go one out of four magic words. Ah, very nice. All right, Chad. In the year of Chad, where does this rate among your fours because i'm sure this is another one of those this is an all ages four <laughs> I know, this is so fun and even this week whenever i sat down to read it i was like okay gotta set some time out no i didn't i was done within an hour and then i just kept going back and flipping through and finding cool things and like it's just such a joy and it's nice to have comics that can exude the joy of comic books that you could hand to your your niece or nephew or your brother-in-law and say here check this out this is just it, it's just the way shazam should be so yeah it's it's a, a fun for all four magic words okay well I'm, I'm not gonna give it a four i'm gonna give it like a 3.5 i think it's a four for all our panel pals out there so if you are a panel pal listening to today's program because you went and saw the shazam movie and maybe you enjoyed it and you need a a Shazam book to pick up at your local comic book shop. Pick up Shazam and the Monster Society of Evil. You'll really love it, just like my kids did. But for those folks that are a little bit older, such as me, and, and maybe, again, read other Shazam books uh, and enjoyed those a little bit more. Maybe a little dead inside. No, come on. <laughs> that, I, I will challenge you to read that uh, Convergence two-parter and not be, like, overwhelmed with how... How charming and wonderful that is. Well, that's Doc Shader. He's also a treasure. Exactly. Again, this isn't like a one. It's a, it's a 3.5. This is a really great book. And if you haven't read Shazam, pick it up. Done. J.A. Yeah, I think uh, your shout out to Panel Pals was perfect. I When I was reading this, I'm like, why didn't we do this on a Panel Pals show? Because it is an all-ages book, as Chad said. Quick read. I'm not a big Shazam fan. I I think this might be my first or second Shazam book I've ever read. I don't that Black Adam doesn't count. Exercise <laughs> that from the memory yeah. banks. It's a 3.75 for me. It's not quite a four. Uh, I guess I, I'm dinging it a bit because I thought the the creature design on those robots was a bit bleh. <laughs> That's, well, the one thing we didn't mention, and in my copy that I brought today. I, the dust jacket folds out to make the giant poster of all four covers put together. 
there's just every single aspect aspect of this book is filled with those little fun elements there. And so I'm not going to knock you guys because you don't have enough joy in your hearts. No. I, think, <laughs> I kid, I kid. No, it's, this is lots of fun. All right. Well, one other thing that's lots of fun is our recommendations. And that's coming up right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned for that. And a movie review, if that's what you've been waiting for. I also had to take it down a bit because I can't just have the year of Chad continue. (laughs) (laughs) I can and I shall, though I think I'm out of books. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. We are Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. good. Join us each week as we dive into the depths of streaming movies for the greater good. You can find us on Twitter at Cheap Seat Cast, Facebook.com slash Cheap Seat Reviews, and our website is CheapSeatReviews.Libsyn.com. All for the greater good. How can this be for the greater good? Shut it! Hi, everyone. I'm Nick Palatichuk. I'm an independent film director and screenwriter. I'm also an independent comic book artist and creator. I want to let you know about my podcast, The St. Paul Filmcast. It's a weekly podcast where I interview other independent filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. You can find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon Radio, as well as our distributor, Podbean. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So, if you're interested in how independent films get made or the process of filmmaking, also, if you're interested in other artists' process and works as well, Tune in to my show, the St. Paul Filmcast, where it's not over till the guests say it's over. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our movie review. No, it's not. It's not. Ha, ha, ha you got to wait a little bit longer. It's that time for recommendations. Yes. That time of every single show where we give you other comic books in addition to Shazam and the Monster Society of Evil by Jeff Smith. You can pick up at your local comic book shop today. And trust me, lots of comic book shops have this particular book. I bought my copy at my local comic book shop, Phantom of the Attic in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. All the cool places got it, kids. So make sure you get out to a local comic book shop in your area and pick up Monster Society of Evil today. But we're going to go ahead and start off with, I think, the only non-Shazam book during recommendations today, and that comes from J.A. Scott. So, J.A., are you pooping on our Shazam party today? I am pooping on the Shazam party a bit, mainly because I haven't read any other Shazam books and... and, uh I didn't even go DC, but if you listen to the show a couple of weeks ago, one of the things I wanted to do this year was read all of Dawn of X and then Reign of X and then uh, Destiny of X. So I wanted to get up to date on all the Krakow and X-Men stuff, and I've been going through – I'm almost done with Dawn of X now. Uh, so uh, that started back in 2019, so I'm a little bit behind, but not so far. My recommendation is one of my favorite books out of this Krakoan age of X-Men has been the Marauders book. 
which is essentially the Krakoan age is, you know, the X-Men have all gone to Krakoa as an island, and then they're using the plant life there to make uh, medicines that they're selling to the human world. And this is all done through the Hellfire Trading Company, who is run by Emma Frost. And Marauders, then, is this book that's headed up by kate pride used to be kitty pride now kate pride she's on a boat and essentially she's going around and saving mutants who are in places in the world where they can't get to a gate that walks them through and gets them into krakoa so her job is to basically find stranded mutants and bring them to what is now the new mutant homeland in krakoa and all this you get you get some back office machinations between Emma Frost and Sebastian Shaw and then you get you know the all the hellfire set up with the the white queen and uh, Kate is now held up as the red queen but Sebastian Shaw wants to unseat her and get somebody else in the red queen it's just and it's fun I mean I haven't had this much fun reading exploits in a long time you guys have known i've been sending all these screenshots and you're like put them on twitter but it's like two years old so i'm a little bit behind but anyways <laughs> i'll stop gushing my recommendation is marauders by jerry duggan volume one collects issues one through twelve of that run you can get it in trade you can get it uh in a hardback edition which is on ebay for ridiculous amounts of money because they never print enough of these things and you can also just get it uh in downloadable format okay all right chad you're up next because i'm saving the best last there you go so uh with shazam uh andy has detailed the uh the machinations between how he used to be captain marvel but then Fawcett got sued by DC Comics and lost the license or whatever, and DC bought Captain Marvel, but then by that, or by that time, Marvel had, had their Captain Marvels and all that other stuff. Well, fast forward to the new 52, and Jeff Johns took upon himself to try to clean things up a little bit. And Captain Marvel was no longer Captain Marvel. He was simply Shazam. And so there was a story that ran in the back of Justice League and then eventually took over for an issue or two, which was written by Jeff Johns, with art by Gary Frank, who's just been knocking it out of the park for years over on, on those DC. Oh, books. yeah, and they do they do a lot of good work. They're together on Image now. Yeah, what's their... The Geigerverse. Yes, on Geiger and uh, all those books. And in this universe, they it, it's the modern Shazam that you've seen in the movies, where it's not just Mary Marvel and Freddy. Uh, now there are five Marvels uh, that are all... Shazams. I don't know what their names are, but they're no longer, no longer Marvels. It's Shazam. But uh, the art is beautiful. You get some Black Adam in there. You get all those elements of Shazam that you know and love from the movie verse uh, in a nice uh, story that it's not as all ages as the Monster Society of Evil, but for teens and up, like I, I think it's a really great way to continue the love of Shazam. It's one of the few things of the the new 52 that I think should have stuck around more so than it did. Okay. Well, one thing that kind of was here and gone within a blink of an eye was Convergence. Again, I don't even know much about this event, but I've been talking about a lot on this show because out of this Convergence event, which I think was like they pitted like characters from different universes against each other in a battle for supremacy, who cares? It doesn't matter. It was an excuse for Jeff Parker and Doc Shainer, 
which if we have the year of Andy, we're going to review their run on Flash Gordon because it's one of the best runs of all time. I will second that. So they put together a two-issue run uh, where basically the, the premise was the universe of Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, I think it's called Universe S or something within the DC continuity, goes up against Batman's Gaslight universe, so the Gotham by Gaslight universe, right, in a two-issue arc. But the first issue of that is just all about Shazam. And after reading Monster Society of Evil, immediately go and find this book in a buck bin, because it is criminal that these books are in buck bins, but they are, because nobody bought them, but they're great. Forget Alex Ross, forget Jeff Smith, they were wonderful on Shazam. Forget Jerry Ordway even. The best person to draw Shazam, in my particular opinion, is Doc Shaner. Doc Shaner does some wonderful things, especially with issue one of Convergence, all about uh, not only showing, you know, Billy Batson and Shazam, but all the rogues gallery. You get King Cull, you get uh, Adam Man, you get uh, Ibak, you get uh, Dr. Savanya, you get Talking Tawny, you get... Captain Marvel Jr., you get Mary Marvel, you get Uncle Dudley, Bullet Man, and Bullet Girl. Good gravy! This this series is awesome! It's the same reason I loved his the, the Flash Gordon run that they did. They brought back everything that you should love about Shazam and invested into two issues. And on top of that, in the second issue, you get basically a Gotham's rogues gallery in the Gaslight version. Steampunked. Yeah, like all steampunk Joker and steampunk right. Killer Croc. Because, because as DC has proven, you want a success, you got to put Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> It's an afterthought, honestly. Most of the two-issue run is all about Captain Marvel Shazam. Like, Batman's, yeah, there. He's riding around in a dirigible and firing, I don't know, a flamethrower or something. Whatever. Who cares? It's gonna, You know it's cool because it's Batman. <laughs> you gotta get this book. Jeff Parker is one of my favorite writers. Doc Shaner is one of my favorite artists. And it's two issues. It's two bucks because it's in buck bins. I found it like seven times. And every single time I find it, I feel it's my obligation to save it. To save that book from obscurity. Damn it, it's criminal that that book's in a buck bin. Save it for yourself. Pick up Convergence, Shazam, and Gotham by Gaslight. Right, Chad? It's not criminal. Criminal is that Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, <laughs> that's really good, too. <laughs> You see that in Buckman's. Pick that up, too. But, yeah, no, it's it's excellent stuff. Uh, all right. Well, and other things that are good stuff is The Last Comic Shop. Make sure that you're rate reviewing and subscribing out at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where we give you movie reviews eventually after we give you comic book reviews and make you wait for them. Because why? We're a comic book podcast. And if you need things to put your comic books in, make sure that you're going out to bcwsupplies.com. It's a terrific other website where you can get bags and boards and boxes and all kinds of great stuff. And using promo code LCSPOD will get you 10% off of that order, which who doesn't love extra cheddar in their pocket? That big red cheese. Get some big green cheese. Put it back in your pocket by using that code LCSPOD 10% off today. 
All right. And to combine things and speed things up slightly, because then you guys want to get out to the theaters to see the Shazam Fury of the Gods movie. We want to make sure that you are following us on the socials at Last Comic Shop. You can always go to the website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. We also want to make sure you're supporting your local comic shops, albeit whether that's buying Shazam books, the Jeff Smith Shazam, the Jeff John Shazam, the Convergence Shazam, uh, or even picking up those Marauders. If you need more details, you can always head back to the home base once again. That's www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where they can find what else, J.A.? We've got links to our merch store if you want to look spectacular at the Shazam movie premiere. You need something to wear. Pick up a Last Comic Book Shop t-shirt. That's right. We've got a special design we put out for St. Patty's Day. It's got a beautiful artwork by our frequent guest, Mr. Mikey Wood. Also, loads of other shirts available. Coffee mugs, tote bags, umbrellas. I don't know. Maybe not umbrellas. <laughs> tote bags, definitely. Giant Coffee robots. mugs, definitely. Giant robots. Needed. Needed giant robots. But like the 1950s kind of giant robots. Not the ones from the Shazam like Robbie the just Robot read. or the one from like, Lost in Space? Danger. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Well, we hope that you aren't in danger and listening to our podcast a little bit more because we're coming up with that movie, Rue. Uh, so stay tuned right after these commercial breaks. I'm the host of The Most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, Jay Scott, and we will be right back after Mikey Wood tries to sell you some stuff. Pay those bills, Mikey. Pay those bills. Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD. L-C-S-P-O-D today. That's L-C-S-P-O-D. And we're back. Thanks, Mikey, for uh, that promo. Don't forget LCS Pod for all your comic supply needs. And now let's get into what the people are here for. The Shazam! Fury of the Gods movie review. Ooh. So let's start off with J.A. You can deliver the Who's It's for this movie sir okay so the who's it's for Shazam! Fury of the Gods. <laughs> you have to say because it's got it's got a exclamation point in the title so you can't it just does. say shazam fury of the gods you have to say shazam <laughs> fury of the gods uh, directed by david f sandberg Based on a script by Henry Gaiden and Chris Morgan, Shazam is, of course, created by Bill Parker and CeCe Beck. Starring Zachary Levi as Shazam, Asher Angel as Billy Batson, Jack Dylan Grazier, Rachel Ziegler, Adam Brody, Ross Butler, DJ Catrona, Grace Carolyn Curry, Megan Good, Lucy Liu, Jiman Hansu as The Wizard, and Helen Mirren as a witch or god <laughs> something i don't know she walks around looking goddish in a roman <laughs> toga type wait outfit, a second time out time out so up. so sinbad wasn't in this movie like i thought sinbad was in the shazam movie oh. isn't that the thing he had the genie pants that's kazam and Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i just had to 
included. Uh, in any case, here comes the ten cents synopsis for Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Uh, so this takes place a couple years after the original movie, and if you don't remember, because I didn't, at tail end of the original Shazam, Shazam actually breaks this magical staff over his knee. Evidently, it ends up in some sort of museum where Helen Mirren, who looked kind of old as hell in this movie, <laughs> old as Helen. <laughs> And put some respect on that. <laughs> and Lucy Liu, who also kind of looked old. Because uh, <laughs> they were paired with, like, somebody that was also supposed to be your sister was, like, 16. Like, it was like it was hard not to be like, yeah, these people are ancient. And that was a metaphor. Anyway, regardless, they're the daughters of Atlas, which was just Amazons. Because that's what they would have been in real Greek mythology. Because they... That was the whole Amazon's deal, protecting this tree of life and the golden apples and all that garbage. But they have Amazons in the DC universe already, so we can't call them that. We'll call them the Daughters of Atlas. And it turns out that the Daughters of Atlas are real pissed off because long time ago, Shazam and a bunch of other wizards used this magical staff to steal all of the gods' powers. That's where you get actually the word Shazam, which if you remember at the beginning of the show, stands for a bunch of different Greek gods in Solomon for some bizarre reason. You mean Solo Man. <laughs> okay. So in, in breaking the staff, it broke down the magical barrier between worlds, and now the daughters of Atlas can come back in our world and ship up. <laughs> They want the staff, they get the staff, they want a golden apple, they get a golden apple. Meanwhile, Billy Batson is about to age out of the foster care system. He's having a lot of doubts about his place in the universe and whether or not he's going to be with his family anymore. So he's holding on real tight because he doesn't like change. I don't like change! And the other members of the Marvel family, especially his... uh, quote-unquote younger brother, Captain Marvel Jr., Freddie Freeman, he is... You mean Captain Every Power? That, it's true. He he really wants to spread his wings as a superhero and do a lot of great stuff. Uh, and he ends up falling in love with another one of these Daughters of Atlas, which secretly ends up at a school, regardless of what happens. At the end, golden apples are exchanged, a tree is planted, a dragon comes out, there's a bunch of unicorns, it's actually a pretty fun time. And that's my 10 cent synopsis moving into my initial thought, which was, gosh, I wish a lot more DC movies were at least like this. Because sure, it was ridiculous. The plot didn't make sense sometimes. But at least they were having fun. And plus, there was a little bit of character development. Honestly, like the story of like Billy Batson and Bandon his entire life and not really having a family. And finally, he has one and he doesn't know what to do with all his his his. Uh, oh, here's the world's smallest violin playing just for Billy Batson because he's all an orphan and he's going to age out of his foster home and what will happen and he's just trying to keep everyone together and ah, oh, come on oh, man, Jay hates orphans <laughs> <laughs> why do you hate the orphan system so because, much? Be- because they always have these girls with red hair and curls and they <laughs> no pupils in their eyeballs and, 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 and they prevent me from making my coat out of Dalmatians <laughs> Bill wasn't an orphan. Those are puppies. Listen, oh, I'm confused. Uh, orphans look, and puppies. I, I, I get it. It was cliche. But you know what? It was a good kind of cliche. From my opinion, it was campy. 
And it was the best kind of campy because if you understand the Shazam character, like even all the 1930s and 40s comic books, if you've read any of those, you know that like this is just a kid's wish fulfillment story. Like it's not supposed to be very serious or or, or have high stakes. It's supposed to be all, you know, fun, I guess. I well, that's where they've got a problem, because unlike the comic books, the actors that are playing the kids are growing up very quickly. The next movie, they're all going to be in their 20s. And, you know, 35-year-old Michael J. Fox playing a, a 16-year-old or something, right? Yeah. Well, hey, spoiler alert, I bet this is the last of the Shazam! Movies. <laughs> all right, Chad, well, I mean, you heard J.A., he's on one side of the fence, you heard me on one other side. Where are you? Oh, man. Well, let me just start off by saying, before I went to the theater, I got the text message from Jay. We're just like, hey, what'd you think of it? And you're like, eh, about the same as Black Adam. Oh, no. no. <laughs> so I, I got to the theater. And I'm sitting down with the Andy. We're watching the previews. And I turned to him. And you remember what I told you? <laughs> he shows me his, his headphones. And he's like, I brought these. As a, just in case the movie sucks. <laughs> because I... You had me setting this on the same bar as Black Adam. And I would say the first Shazam movie I saw, I enjoyed enough of it. I thought the the actors and the characters did a good job. And it was like 66% of a good movie. I didn't like the villains at all. They were all gray blobs. I thought this time they actually improved a little bit. By bringing in Lucy Liu, by bringing in Helen Mirren, by bringing in the other sister. I don't know what her name was. They were like Power Rangers villains to me. Uh, either in their outfits or their demeanors or, you know, their goals and all oh, their riding dragons. And this was not a movie that was meant to be taken seriously. This is not a movie that I think that the hardcore Snyder DC verse fans are going to embrace. But at the same time, it wasn't just a boring slugfest. I thought this is a movie that's aimed at kids and it's for kids. And the parts that I did, I disliked about the movie were the parts that were like a little too edgy for kids, where I always feel like DC's trying to incorporate a little bit of that edgelord stuff. Yes, that's where I was struggling with it. It 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 seemed almost very bipolar in nature. I mean, at some parts, the plot is pretty, you know, paint by numbers. Right. Uh, some of this stuff is campy, as Andrew said. But then you've got villains throwing teachers off of school buildings and making them go splat. Yeah, side note, that was another DC movie relying on a Batman. Because uh, Diedrich Bader is the Batman in the uh, Brave and the Bold series and does oh, all the voice work. Oh, look at that. So you can't get away from the Cape Crusader. That's a deep cut. That's a yeah. deep <laughs> I, um, cut. At times, the, the fighting was sort of cartoony in nature, but at other times, it was really graphic. I mean, the, yeah. there were people that were obviously dying. Right. You never saw them die, but they obviously were dying being thrown half a mile into the air and and it, so it was like we're going to lean into the black adam violence and sort of PG-13 rated R type edge stuff but at the same time we're going to have unicorns that like skittles because that's fun and and yeah, and funny and and Taste kids the like that so i was rolling my eyes a bit at that okay when you mentioned that it was kind of like black adam i i have to disagree just because i thought that Black Adam really seemed like the combination of like six different movies where they couldn't decide on what exactly the plot was supposed to be for that movie. This one at least was like maybe 
two movies and they couldn't decide what the plot was going to be. But they but at least it kept on moving forward. You knew who the bad guys were. You knew who the good guys were. You knew that they eventually they were going to fight a perfectly good melodrama like the good guys are going to win in the end. So like, although, yes, it had some problems with like consistent tone sometimes, at least it didn't have like story problems, like glaring story problems, which I thought Black Adam had. The problem with Black Adam was you had The Rock trying to be cool and trying to set the Black Adam up as something bigger than it was. This movie was finally a DC movie that was not trying to be bigger than it was. Where it's like, we kind of suck and it's okay. <laughs> like, that was the characterization of the characters. That was the characterization of the movie. And they just leaned into the fact that this is a slightly higher budget version of one of those Power Rangers shows where the villains come up and they take the staff and they hold it up and there's lightning coming out of it and they're going to fly the dragon around. And like I think J.A. and I are on the same page based on what you were saying before. If only they they knew where to draw the line and be like, hey, let's open some of these doors and have fun, silly things in there. But let's not uh, have people fall off a cliff. Let's not turn people into stone and then break them into pieces on the ground. Man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it got muddled at the end. It was like, oh, you know, here's this big dragon and there's these monsters running around and it's Philadelphia. So this could actually just be after a Super Bowl win. Who knows? You know? <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot about the giant dome, and they're like, let's make the dome a little smaller. All right. Yeah, why not? And honestly, you, you know, I, I get it where you thought that uh, the Billy Batson stuff might have been seemed a little bit cliched. But at the same time, like, I honestly really did like all the stuff with Freddie Freeman. I thought he had a pretty decent arc. And one of the things that for those folks that are Shazam fans, you know that uh, Captain Marvel Jr., the Freddie Freeman character in the comic books, is always... Even more than Shazam or Billy Batson, he's the character with the heart of gold. Maybe it's because, you know, he, he walks with a, a crutch or whatever, but he's always like that moral compass, uh, somebody that's like true and pure of heart. And I honestly felt like there were some scenes that, you know, I, I won't lie, it gave me the feels. I was like, that's good characterization. That's There's a scene where this dragon can make anybody fear anything, and Freddy just keeps walking forward, you know, and... I just thought that was nice. That That's good for a kid to see, like how you, you don't back down from, you know, the things that are scary in life, that there are going to be dragons and that you, even if people pick on you in school, like you can stand up to the bullies and, and not sacrifice who you are as a person. I mean, that was, that was very hopeful for me. And absolutely. As much as this was a Shazam movie, it was very much a Jack Dylan Grazer vehicle. He got all the big emotional beats you know, he was the inspirational character in the movie. And I thought, you know, the actor did a wonderful job to the point where when he did turn into Captain Every Power, I was like, oh, this guy's lame. Yeah. The other thing that I will say from just, a, 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 you know, as much as they did with Captain Marvel Jr. in this movie, they barely did anything with Mary Marvel, which was yeah. sad. Like she was just an afterthought. She was another member of the marvel family in fact i think honestly the one that runs super fast but she actually had more beats because she's the, the one that the unicorn okay darla yeah she she's the one that had like saving the kitties and she names one of them tawny like tawny tiger she she feeds the unicorns like she actually had mary marvel was just there uh and it was just like that's sad because she's like supergirl she should be important in a, in a captain marvel movie right so. But I am glad, like, as much as I would have loved to have seen more Mary Marvel stuff, I feel like it would have overwhelmed the movie. Like, they had enough to juggle as is. I thought they did a, a fine enough job. 
Fair point. You know, well, maybe, maybe, I mean, they figured that because they got the same actress to play Mary Marvel and the sister, whereas everybody else switched into somebody else, she always right. just switched into her own person. It's like, how, how, how do the parents not realize that their daughter, who looks exactly the same as Mary Marvel, they took lessons from Queen Marlena and King Randor on how to just be completely oblivious to the fact that their kid is a superpower person. They just all disappear at the same time for hours at a time. and then. Oh, you have blonde hair and big muscles? You can't be He-Man. No, that doesn't work out that way. But you know what I liked? They've now started to James Gunn kind of Shazam. I think... You know, I, Chad said that we're not going to see Shazam again. I disagree. And I'm going to throw it out there that I don't think we're going to see a Shazam movie. But I don't think it would be outside the realm of possibilities to eventually see a Justice Society movie. And because we already know who the Justice League is in the public consciousness, why not take all of the ideas from J.M. DeMatties and Keith Giffen's Justice League book, which was very funny and cheeky and stuff, and just call them the Justice Society. What? Yes! Then have Blue Beetle, and have Brewster Gold, and have Hawkman, because people loved Hawkman, and he can be like the Batman character that just is like no nonsense and punches people in the face. And then you have the Shazam character, and you know what? You put the Justice Society against the Monster Society of Evil. Bam! That's like peanut butter and jelly, baby! Mr. Mind, and he just could crawl around. He, it takes him three years to move places. <laughs> no. I mean, you like the post-credit sequences, right, J.A.? They were the best part of the movie, that, and I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about the Deus Ex Deus scene at the end? With Wonder Woman just bringing him back to life because she can? Yes. I tell you what, I love Gal Gadot, so I was happy to get any screen time with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, except for one thing. (laughs) I hate that so much. You don't like the Hans Zimmer? Is she with you? No, no, I don't. (laughs) That's the name of the song? That's terrible. Who has a theme song called... Is she with you? Well, that was well, Batman it, it, versus Superman. Yes. Is she with it. you slash Wonder Woman theme? That's what it's called. Oh, that's because terrible. She first appears with the shield blocking Doomsday's eye rays, and then Batman asks Superman, is she with you? Well, I thought she was with you. Well, I mean, the, the Wonder Woman thing was because you knew it was coming because they already put it in the trailer because they knew that nobody was going to show up unless they had Wonder Woman one yeah, of the I scenes. Didn't see it. I mean, it worked, I guess, because they had teased her earlier when it wasn't her. And you're like, oh, they're doing what they did with Superman. Well, it's not really Henry Cavill. It's just somebody, you know, from the neck down in the Superman suit. It's somebody from the neck down in the Wonder Woman suit. Right. And I could tell, by the way, the person from the neck down was not my Gal Gadot. <laughs> but I thought it worked. Wonder Woman does fit in with all of that God stuff. Like, those those rogues would have actually been really good in a Wonder Woman movie. Like, the Lucy Liu riding on a dragon and That's Helen Mirren being evil witch lady. Like, that would have been perfectly fine. As, like, outcasted Amazons, yeah. which they should have freaking been. Like, daughters of freaking Atlas. I think really good might be a step too far. <laughs> but I think for this movie, I keep going back to them being the Philly fiascos. This movie knew what it was. It embraced what it was. And I'll be honest, I don't know 
Well, there were parts of this movie where I thought they took lessons from the Spider-Man movies recently, whether it was Into the Spider-Verse or No Way Home. Like, I got that youthful vibe. I got that energy even with the end credit sequences and things like that. But um, this was my favorite superhero movie that I've seen since No Way Home. And really, when I say that, that is damning all the other superhero movies <laughs> because this you know movie you know you're throwing you're throwing Paul Rudd under the bus on that. I am. Oh, believe me, I graded Paul Rudd. Oh, all right. Well, let's get to grades then. Let's get to ratings. As always, we like to get a one on a four scale. And JA, what's our one out of four scale for Fury of the Gods? I wanted to go lightning, but I think I did lightning for Black Adam. So we're just gonna go exclamation points because it's Shazam! <laughs> Fury of the Gods. I'm, so surpri- many- I'm surprised you didn't go unicorns. That would have yeah. been great. Taste the rainbow. Then, then um, you would have had to get that unicorn noise that they made because they don't neigh like horses. <laughs> uh, are you saying nay to this movie, sir? What's your rating? I guess it's like a Two exclamation points and a colon, maybe, or a semicolon. Wow. Maybe an asterisk. Ooh, two exclamation points and an asterisk. I guess I shouldn't be saying wow, because that's still an average movie. Like, he, you didn't put it in the basement. Like, it's not. No, it's not in the basement. It's, it's, if it was on TV and I hadn't seen it, I would probably watch it. The color grading, I thought, was quite dark for uh, it. See, I thought it was an improvement over the first one, where all the yeah. villains were gray and, like, bleh. Yeah. This, they had some color to them, at least. I Yeah, I, I just thought, again, the whole fight scene kind of just blurred into one. I was like, this just looks like Philly to me. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, two. All right. Uh, Chad? All right, so I'm going to give it 3.3 lightning bolts. Is this a great movie? No. But did this movie know what it was? Absolutely. I think it played up to the aspects that it needed to play up to. I thought the actors uh, did a great job. Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu were hamming it up as villains with, you know, weird staffs and apples and, you know, shooting lightning bolts everywhere. Um, I always thought Zach Levi was fun as Shazam. He captures that spirit, that essence. I really enjoyed Anthea. I thought uh, her relationship with Freddy was cute and charming. And Freddy, Freddy just kicked butt. So yeah, honestly, I'm not lying when I say I would put this above most of the other superhero movies I've seen in the last year. Maybe even two years uh, outside of the Spider-Man No Way Home. But that's just how bad those other superhero movies have been. So I was I was excited to enjoy a movie for once. Wait a minute, hold on. You're saying that this is better than The Batman? Ah, maybe not. I forget what I okay. read in The Batman. Yeah, thank you. You said The Batman was long. Yeah, The Batman was three hours long. And so that was a big detracting point there. Right. So it's, it's on par with The Batman, though. I think they're different flavors of ice cream. I think they're both adequate. And I was happy for adequate out of DC. Right. Yeah, I think that's where I'm going to go with my rate. I'm going to give it a full three just simply because a three is what I consider a B movie. Not like a B movie like in low budget, but a B movie. It's not like a, a four, which is like an A. This is like a good movie. It's not terrible. It's not average. It's not horrible. And for a DC movie, good is as good as sometimes it gets. Like, you don't have the best movies come out of that studio, especially in recent years. Like, is this better than Aquaman? Oh, hell yeah. 
I would rather watch this any day than Aquaman or Justice League or Batman v Superman or any of that stuff. And I think it's to Chad's point. It's because it knew what it was. Uh, it was campy. It played in its own lane. It knew it wasn't a Superman movie, unlike what Black Adam wanted to be. And it's honestly really sad that like Dwayne Johnson wants nothing to do with the Shazam. Because like personally, the way that the rock can sometimes ham up a role. He would be great as a villain in this kind of universe. Right. Or even a a competing hero, but I do think it's a wasted opportunity. Yeah. He could really have a lot of fun if he let himself. Right. Because that's what this movie does. It lets itself have fun. Exactly. Sometimes you just want to get Skittles and you just want to shove them in your face. You know, they're not good for you. You know, they're just a bunch of empty calories and sugar, but sometimes you're just like, eh, whatever. Like I'm here and they happen to be here. And for a little while, it tasted good. So I'm okay with it. Plus, as we said when we reviewed Black Adam, Black Adam is a Shazam villain. So you kind of want to see him in Shazam. Right. They even talk about the freaking wizard in that movie. He's not in a Superman movie, dumbass. (laughs) Yeah, it's getting a cool new outfit in this movie. How about that? All right. Well, then that's all that we have time for in the last comic shop. Make sure that you go out and see Shazam Fury of the Gods or don't. If you happen to be a curmudgeonly old man like (laughs) J.A. That's okay though. We all are like that. Sometimes we not love fun, hate orphans. It's okay. Curmudge. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, go see the movie, don't. But make sure that you pick up uh, that uh, Jeff Smith Shazam and the Monster Society of Evil, because we all really did like that. In any case, uh, make sure that you're coming back next week to more Last Comic Shop. We're going to have Do a Power Bomb by Daniel Warren Johnson. Until next week, I was those with most Andy Larson. I was joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith. And we hope that you come back. Plus, if, if you're going to have a location where you're going to have a tree of life come up and then turn into horribleness and everything in Philly, you're not going to put it in Citizens Bank Park where the Phillies play. You're going to put it in Wells Fargo Center where the Flyers play. Right? For those broad street bullies. If anything can turn something good into crap, it's the Flyers. Philly fans sit through snowballs at Santa Claus. They are the worst. The Flyers suck. They haven't won since like 77. Comic Shop was a 2023 Black Angus production.